Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Business. Uh, this is your host, Jazz Bear, and today's guest is Tyler McCoon. Tyler is an email copywriter and author of Email Emperor, which is a system, a simple email system to write profitable emails in less than 30 minutes. Tyler consults for both online and brick and mortar businesses in a variety of industries. And in this episode, we are going to talk about how to build an email list and how to write craft emails, uh, profitable emails, and what it needs to have and what it doesn't need to include and types of emails. And also, uh, what's his advice on, on building an email list and how long should you spend creating an email and how often should you send emails? So we'll cover all of that in this episode. So without further ado, let's welcome Tyler. Tyler, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jazz. We're happy to be here. Awesome. So let's just to jump in, right? Emails, is it with all, all the social media? And I was looking at some statistics, um, you know, a couple of weeks back. I don't remember exactly, but a lot of people, you know, most of the emails now go to straight to spam and, and people... You know, when you send someone a message compared to on, on a messenger compared to an email, the messenger message is most likely to get picked up and, and noticed than an email. So do you really think right now email is dead or, or are we, is, that, is that not the case? Yeah, I mean, from you know, the statistics I see and just being in the industry and talking to a lot of people, most of the money online uh, as far as conversions go really happens over email. And there's a lot of big companies with statistics like, you know, email marketing has like an 85 ROI or, or I don't know, whatever it is. But from everything that I can sell, email marketing is definitely not dead. And um, there are plenty of reasons why I think it's one of the, the better mediums, which we could uh, talk about if, if you want. Sure. Yeah. Let's, so, so in terms of, uh, you know, someone, you know, whether they're in the thick of it and producing content and trying to get produce leads or building their list, would you say email will still be the best way forward? As far as conversions go, I really don't see any other medium that beats email unless you do something like direct mail, which is much more complicated. Um, the economics don't work out for most people depending on what you're selling. So for the average entrepreneur, the average small business, email is the, the easiest, uh, fastest, cheapest, and most effective way to convert prospects into buyers and buyers into repeat customers and then repeat customers into fans. I mean, obviously, when you show, shoot an email off, you, you don't often know whether that lands in their inbox or whether that lands in their spam. So what's, what's your kind of process of kind of writing copy for your, for your email? And how do you kind of make sure that lands in their inbox or they, at least they open it and have a look? Yeah, so the most important thing in all of marketing and copywriting is really to understand your audience. So I think a lot of people have an issue with people reading their emails because they're boring and they're not useful. So if you send boring and, un and not useful information, you're going to get ignored. But you know, if, for example, you know, if you had a favorite professor or something and they sent you an email, you'd almost certainly open it because you're like, I respect this professor. I have a relationship with them. And so it's, it's kind of like that idea is you have to build the relationship in the right way. And that starts with the opt-in page. So it starts with you know, positioning yourself as an ex or as a, as a leader, having something that the person wants and that you know they want because you've done the market research and then giving them something that solves their problem. So a big part of getting people to open your emails is how you onboard them, how your opt-in page reads, what's the, the bribe that you're giving away with your opt-in and is that helping people? So I agree with you. It's, it's very easy to write 
boring, unuseful emails and get them to spam or get them ignored. But when you write emails the right way and you do it frequently, people will actually really pay attention. And the people who pay attention will likely be your biggest fans. And you know the whole 80-20 rule, it's, it's been talked about beaten to death basically, but it's, it's 100% true that if you cater to your, your 20% biggest fans, you're going you're gonna to make a lot more money. So I would say don't worry about the people who don't read your emails and focus on the people who are desperate to read more of your emails. Sure. And in terms of, I know you and I had, I had a conversation before this and you mentioned that you have a system mm-hmm. of, of writing an email. And first of all, give us an explanation. What kind of system do you have um, of making sure that, you know, what you write and what it needs to have, what it involves to kind of create a great email, if you like, that people open up and read and be interested? So my interest in systems comes from this guy named Jim Camp. He's known as the world's most feared negotiator. And he, he was doing... He was hired by major corporations to do like, you know, half a billion dollar deals. And he actually trained the FBI in hostage negotiations. So he was like the top of his game. And uh, yeah. he started out as a jet pilot in the Air Force. And so he talks about, you know, how do you get a kid fresh out of high school or college and you get them into this jet? And then within a couple of years, they're flying and they're in combat and they're doing these crazy maneuvers with other jets flying by side by side. And he said, how you do it is you, you put them in a system. So you, you create a system that allows them to fail safely, allows them to, and that's where flight simulations come in. You put them in a flight simulation, they make mistakes, and then they learn what the mistakes were and, and fix the next time. So obviously writing emails is not as intense as flying a jet or going to war. But the yeah. point is, is having some sort of safety net that you can fail safely. And for me, my system, it all starts with understanding the market. In fact, I make a, a long list of, like, uh, say I'm writing for a new client, I make a long list of all of their market's problems, their biggest pain points, and not just the pain points that their product or service solves, but other things, just frustrations that that demographic may have, you know, anything that will allow me to speak to them and to say, you know, I understand your problems and, and I'm here to help you solve them. So it really starts with understanding your market, understanding their problems. And so that's the first part of the system. The second part of the system is having what I call like email types or email templates. And it's basically, you know, if you're a poet, most likely you're not just going to sit down and start from scratch every time. You're going to have a sonnet or you're going to have a haiku and you're going to work from those what are called forms. And then once you get really good at the forms, you can kind of break out and go more um, stream of consciousness and stuff. So my second part is having different types of emails, Q&A email, testimonial email, story email, and there's just different types. And so, so those are like the two main components of the system is, is knowing what's to write about and then knowing the format to write in. And then once you have those two things, it's really safe to sit down and have what copywriters call the shitty first draft. And once you get the shitty first draft out of the way, you can get to the slightly less shitty second draft and then eventually have something you know, very good that you can send out. Sure. And, you know, an average you know, person who's working on their business or whoever is writing emails, I'm, I'm, at this moment, I'm guessing it's most likely, um, you know, let's say someone who's, it's the marketing team or it's the executive or it's, it's, it's the leader or the founder or CEO, whatever that is. How do you come up with, it's not going to be at the forefront of, of their thoughts of, you know, I'm going to spend X amount of time doing emails today. Um, everybody goes, okay, fine, create an email, send it off. What's your take on, you know, creating an email which takes less than 10 minutes and, and you know, 
yeah, that's good enough. Let's send that off. Or how do you kind of make sure that you time it correctly? Obviously, you can't spend a long time on it. You don't have mm-hmm. that luxury on da- on daily basis. Yeah, I think um, most people spend too long on their emails. I would say for most people, if they understand their market and they're really a leader in what they do so that they, they know what they deliver and they know who they deliver it to, they can easily write sales emails in 30 minutes or less. And as far as writing even quicker, 10 minutes. There's two types of emails that I always tell people to write. And the first one is the q and I think I already mentioned it, but the first one's the Q&A email. So Jasmine, you probably get tons of questions from your audience. And I'm sure you hear similar questions over and over again. Yeah. And probably often you, you email them back and say, okay, like the, here's a quick answer. So that's a great, um, I mean, you, you can, like I've literally wrote emails where I said, hey, um, this so-and-so has a question for me. Here's what I, here's the question and here's the answer. And you know it's going to be interesting and useful because you're getting those questions from your audience. So I'm a big fan of saving all a lot of the conversations you have, especially when you're giving out useful information to clients or customers or colleagues or whatever. And then you can reuse yeah. that in your emails. Another type that's monkey simple to write, you can do it in the next five minutes. In fact, if someone wants to hit pause and, and go write this in the next five minutes, I say, I say go for it. And that's just take a really nice testimonial you have. Again, the more your testimonial can speak to your audience, which you should know from your market research, and you just say, so-and-so had this to say about my product or service. You put the testimonial and then you have a call to action. And uh, I wouldn't do that every time. You really want to have more valuable and more relationship building emails strewn throughout. But if you're struggling to write emails, I would say just, just write the Q&A and the testimonial email and um, you know, two emails. That you, could, you, could, you could write those both in the next 30 minutes. I'm super confident in that. Sure. In an average given month, uh, let's say, what kind of strategy would you have for, you know, how many emails to send and what type of emails to send? So, so you know, common sense says you should have send one email a week, and then out of let's say in a month, how many would you send off Q and A, and how much would you send on? How, how much variety would you have between the types of emails that you send? Yeah. Well, first, I just, I'm just curious. Why do you say common sense and uh, says to send one a week? Uh, simply because, you know, on a daily basis, if you're getting four or five emails, that seems too much because then you have to read and, and you have to go, right. You know, I'm talking about at least one a week for the, with the clients you're working with, let alone the other emails that you get from other people. Right. So, so it's just that one, one a week seems reasonable. So for example, let me give you an example. If I'm getting emails, one of the people I follow is Robin Sharma. I really like his emails, the way he sends them. It's a lot of high value. If he was sending more than one a week, I would probably ignore it. I wouldn't have the time to read it. But one a week seems reasonable to me. Like I, I'm hearing that the frequency is not too often and is not in a, in a wide gap, if you know what I mean. It's just about the right. Hence, I mean, common sense. Yeah, I was just curious. Well, for personally, for my list, I mail every single day. Um, seven, wow, day, okay. seven days a week. Some of my emails are very short. Sometimes they're you know, 150 words. So other times they can be much longer, closer to 1,000. Uh, my unsubscribes are pretty low. So um, you're, you're right that you can never, if you're boring, you can, uh, <laughs> one email is too much, right? But um, as far as the variety question, you're spot on. Like I am always trying to, to mix up the variety. So I would say try to stick to a Q&A email once or twice a month. Uh, again, it depends on how much you're mailing. If you're only mailing once a week, then I would say try to do a different type of email every single week. But the real secret is to understand your market and to understand their desire for variety. So if you're selling to like millennials or teenagers or something, you're going to have to, you know, have a lot more variety because their attention span is so short. But if you're selling to seniors, maybe they'll like having a very similar format every time. So it's, it's really about knowing your market. Sure. 
And in terms of like the benefits of, of marketing, email marketing, you know, it makes more sense to spend a lot more time on social media and, you know, sending messages on, on LinkedIn in terms of prospecting and, and you know, creating leads. Where does, what do you think are the benefits of email marketing compared to those other kind of uh, avenues? Well, the beauty of email marketing is, I mean, this, this really goes back to the, the history of direct response marketing, which all online marketing is really direct response. And in direct response marketing, the whole game is to build a list of prospects and customers that you can then reach out to and sell your, your products and services. So the beauty of email marketing is that you're building a list, which is an asset to your, to your business. You're building relationships with the people on that list, which is building an asset to your business. And you can't really do that the same on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. And just, just to take your example of like messaging people on LinkedIn, you're chasing them. And it's like the law of the jungle is you run away from what chases you. You know, it's, it's more valuable to have people coming at you. So my strategy and what I think most people should go for, at least in the long run, is have people come to them. So set up some sort of lead generation system where it brings people onto your email subscriber list. And then you're very much positioned as the leader. And every day or every week or a couple of times a week, you're sending them interesting and useful information that's building the relationship, selling your goods, and just positioning yourself as the leader. So I, I don't know any um, platform that can do that. And people talk about, oh yeah, maybe only 30% of my prospects will read my emails or whatever, you know, 30% open rate. But on Facebook, I mean, I'm not a social media person. That's not my, my jam. But from what I understand, organic reach can be like 5 or 10% sometimes. So you're really much more in control on your own email subscriber list. You're not, you know, you know Mark Zuckerberg could just ban anyone from Facebook ads. It happens all the time. So I, I really think if you want business stability and you want to scale naturally over time, building an email subscriber list and mailing it regularly is, is going to be the best way to do it. Sure. I mean, that kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, something that happened recently and, and I've had clients that have happened to them as well, where, you know, with, with the dif- difference between the two is what I've seen is that when you're sending someone a direct message on, on LinkedIn or Messenger, they can turn around and say, I'm not interested at the moment and they've forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas perhaps when you're sending an email, kind of nobody turns around and says, do not email me again, <laughs> right? If they want to unsubscribe, they will do it gently. And, you know, if they um, you know, if they ignore your emails or delete them, eventually, you know, one day when they need your service, they'll they'll be in for it. And I suppose that's what I can see where I can see email kind of supersedes, uh, you know, messaging. Yeah, you nailed that's it. That's interesting. What would you say? What, what advice would you give to someone who's kind of building their list and really wants to kind of use that as a main method? How would you say they start off and, and start building their list? So I think the most important and underlooked aspect of list building is actually the quality of prospects you're getting on your list. So you have people out there who say, oh, I can add 100 people to your list every single day. But it's, it's pretty easy to get junk names on a list, to be honest. But what you really want is you want high quality prospects. You want people who are in the market for what you sell. And you know they have money. They, they're, they're players with money, as Gary Halbert would say. So I would say really focus on getting high quality leads. And the way to do that is to actually, in some ways, try to turn people away. Like, Don't say, oh my God, this free download is going to solve all your problems. Like for me, it's very specific. It's about email. It's going to, you know, so, so I, I would say more sniper rifle than shotgun, really target the people that you want on your list. And the best way to do that in my experience and uh, is referral marketing. So the more you can just get out in front of people, meet people, have people refer others to you, do joint ventures and stuff like that, the more your list will grow quickly, but in a way that actually increases sales rather than just puts new names on your list. 
and as far as the ta- the more tactical stuff, I would just recommend someone follow a list building expert because um, that's that's not really my expertise is list building. But um, as far as the mindset thing, I really think that you should people should start thinking about the quality of leads they get. Sure, you, you obviously kind of touched on upon it just now as well. Is a bigger list always better? Yeah, it, it's funny because you, you see these people who are like, join the 500,000 people on our subscriber list. And yeah. just from the numbers that I've seen, people with smaller lists often, you know, just outperform people with bigger lists just because, again, they brought them on the right way. If you have a smaller list, it's very easy to, to, to build a relationship with them to know what the type of people on, the, on your list are looking for. If you have a bigger list, you, you have to look more into segmentation to really get that like hyper focus. So unless you're trying to scale and be like a, you know, a 10 figure business or something, I would really focus on a smaller list that is filled with people who are really, really good buyers for you. Sure. Okay. Um, it was very interesting when you mentioned, uh, you know, when we were having a conversation prior to the podcast that you, you wrote and published your book in nine days. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny, th- I've been getting a lot of like uh, people, like even family members like, oh, wow, you wrote a book. And uh, I was kind of giggling to myself because I was like, between all the emails I write and the, and the articles, uh, like I- I've written like dozens of books by now. I just have it like published. Up. Anyway, so, so the real secret is just that I write every single day. So every morning I write, sit down, write my email to send to my list. And part of the reason I could write it so fast is because I had all that content so I could I could take an email, change it slightly, and that could become a chapter because I already taught that lesson to my list. So there's no real um, easy tip I have other than if you write every single day, you'll start to write a lot faster. Also, your book doesn't have to be perfect. Like I I self-published my book as a lead magnet and I'm actually going to do edition two and like I'm going to start working on it in the next couple of weeks because I really think uh, Dan Kennedy said this, that money's attracted to speed. So the faster you can get something out there, again, it's it's that shitty first draft, the faster you can get that out there, the quicker you'll get to the the fifth draft, which will be really, really good. And honestly, people don't want perfection out of you. They just want you to to solve their problems. Right. Okay. But does it, does it not, can it not work the other way as well for you? For example, if you know, you put the first draft out and it's, it's, um, I'm guessing you're doing some sort of kind of, it's not really first first draft. It's the kind of second draft, if you know what I mean. You're not going to just type it up and just send it off. Is that am I am I right in saying that? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just again because I write every single day. I've gotten pretty quickly quick at writing. Right. So, so okay. my shitty first draft is like pretty good compared to my shitty first draft. You know, a couple of years ago. So that's that's a big part of it. Is that if you write every single day or, or a couple times a week, then your your flow just becomes more polished. Sure. So it's, just, it's almost like saying, obviously, a lot of people don't write for a living. You know, they're, they're doing other things. That's the core of, core of their business. But what you're saying is that, you know, once you think it's good enough, just send it off. Don't, don't dwell on it too much. So it, you, you kind of, you don't wait for it to be perfect before you send it because you don't know what feedback you're going to get. And nothing's perfect. <laughs> and when you kind of write these emails, like, are you trying to be more personal? Are you, what kind of tone are you using? What kind of tone really works well when it, when it obviously... You know, I'm sure you have been in positions and I've been in, most people listening to this have been in this position where whether you send someone a text or an email, we mean it one way and they read it another way. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of make sure that the tone that you're talking and thinking in that comes across, you know, the person that's reading it? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I suppose to your point on misunderstandings or people reading it a different way, it's just being very clear with what you're saying and kind of trusting that, you know, 
everyone's gonna, gonna, gonna get something a little bit different out of your email. So not to worry about that too much. But as far as um, sort of the tone and the personality, I would say if you're writing your own emails, really just be yourself. Uh, take your personality and turn it up to 11. So I don't know if you've seen the movie Spinal Tap, but they have like an amp and they usually go to 10, but this one goes to 11. So it's like extra loud. And it's kind of like that same idea is like in my emails, I'm really just myself, but I, I sort of turn up that amperage just a little bit. So like my quirks come out even more. And so it's actually really fun because it's almost like a, it's like me, but it's like a persona of me. And I even have like nicknames for myself and like a little world I'm building. So I would say the more personality driven you can be. And I, I see this all over the most successful businesses and uh, copywriters and email marketers, especially they're very personality driven. And one of the things that does is it, it creates like a positioning that nobody else can copy. None of your competitors can copy. So my other, my competitors can write emails that can teach people emails. They can teach the exact same stuff I'm teaching, but they can't be me, you know? And if they try to be me, they'll look stupid. So part of that is, you know, attracting people who you get along with, who you'll, you know, you want in your audience. And then the other part is just positioning yourself as sort of a unique voice in this sea of, you know, people screaming. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of emails I tend to read a lot more, which are more conversational. Mm-hmm. The ones that are more conversational, that's the ones I kind of pick up on and kind of read it. Would you, would you say it's advice to kind of include things like, uh, you know, certain emails have videos in them. Um, I, I'm not sure if, if people that are sending it to me, does it get through because they're larger in size? Or should you have a link where you can click and you leave the email and you go outside for a video? Do you think that's a good idea to include that? Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to your strategy. For me, Fine. I just do plain text emails because they're they're easier. I've had weird formatting things with HTML. Um, I don't want to have to spend time choosing pictures or videos. So for me, I just I just do text. If and I also prefer text. Like me, I've always loved reading. I've always loved writing. So I, I prefer communicating like like over email a lot of the times. So that's just me and my personality. If you do great on video, like maybe you have a pretty face and you're very charismatic then, and you want to do video, then that's great. I actually don't know too much about the deliverability things that you were talking about. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would say those sorts of tactical stuff is really just up to your strategy. So it's kind of hard to say, but I would say be true to yourself and your personality and understand your market. And those types of questions should figure themselves out. Sure. Okay. And now the key kind of question is, you know, how do you, um, now obviously you do, you know, on daily basis and, and it's very difficult to kind of think, you know, how often should you email as every two days, every three days with social media, there's a lot of people trying and testing and going, you know what, you should post, uh, once a week on LinkedIn and five times on YouTube and, you know, two times on Instagram or whatever that might be. So this kind of different strategies for different kind of, um, platforms with emails, like, first of all, how would you, um, what kind of, how would you choose the topics that you want to talk about? Most of the time, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed, I suppose you can, you can say that, you know, you see the Q&A and you see that you can share, uh, for example, things like you mentioned uh, a testimonial or a story that, that, that they've helped with someone with something. So how do you kind of choose topics or how do you advise? So is there any challenges that you come across with the people that you work, your clients? So this is another one that comes down to understanding your market. And as far as topics, there's sort of two different tacks that I take. One is you really want to harp on people's problems. And I always have, I also struggle talking with people about this because it sounds mean or something, but how, how I explain it is if you go to the doctor, like we were just talking about coronavirus. So if you go to the doctor 
and you think you have coronavirus and the doctor looks at you and says, okay, here's the medicine, but they didn't ask you any questions. You'd be like, I'm not, I'm not going to trust this doctor. I'm going to go to the next person. And then on the other hand, if the doctor says, okay, so what are your problems? What, what are your symptoms? Do you have pain? Does it hurt here? Then you know that the doctor actually took the time to like understand where you are. And then when they provide the solution, you trust them. So it's very similar in copywriting and selling is you really want to harp on people's problems. This doesn't mean, you know, fear mongering or anything. It's just saying like, you know, like, like let's say in the fitness niche, like um, you want to, you want to grow more muscles, you know, but like when you go to the gym, you feel bad because you have all those ripped guys and you feel insecure working out because you don't know what you're doing. That would be a great email if you, if you sell like workout equipment because it's actually touching on someone's insecurities that's stopping them from doing what they want. And so if you can say, this is how you can overcome that, then you're, you know, you're really helping someone overcome like a, a deep problem that they have and, and bettering their life. So that's sort of the main sales emails I would send is, is more touching on yeah. problems. And then as there's also more like relationship building emails, which I'm a big fan of sprinkling these in. And now it can just be teaching. Now, I wouldn't do too much teaching because I think really teaching should be more like in, held in your product or service. But you can just have an email where, say, some, like I said, someone asks you a question on like, how do, I, how do I do the perfect bicep curl? You can just do an email on that. So those are really the two types of topics I would think about is like problems your market has and then solutions that you can provide. Sure. Okay. And, and is there a, any kind of, um, you know, industry or market where you think email isn't as effective compared to their certains are? Now I can think of something, for example, this will, this will sound funny. Now you get emails from pharmaceutical companies in quotation marks who want to sell you Viagra or sell you one of those mm -hmm. things, you know, maybe some are genuine and most of them are not, but I would not buy email or would not want to have a relationship with a pharmacy company over, over email. That's for sure. So is there any kind of industries where you think, forget email completely, that's, that's not an effective strategy at all compared to some that are? Um, I can't think of one. As like for your example, the pharmaceutical company, I would just say that you're probably not their target market for e selling emails that way. Um, yeah. I, actually, I actually read this article a little while back where this guy was saying that it was like a parking company at, a, at an airport. And he was saying like, I flew there once and now they're sending me emails every single day about sales. And I was like, well, you're not the target market. The target market is people who fly, you know, the frequent flyers who are flying every single week. So I really can't think of a market that wouldn't work over email. In fact, um, I don't know if you've seen the show, The Good Place, but it's kind of one of my like guilty obsessions. I think it's a pretty good show. And I just joined their mailing list. I actually haven't even seen what they're yeah. going to be sending, but I was like, wow, I didn't know TV shows had mailing lists, but I'm really really fascinated. So personally, I can't think of a industry that email wouldn't work except for if you're selling to people who don't have computers and don't, or don't like, like maybe like, <laughs> you know, maybe like 80 year olds who don't have a computer or barely ever go on their computer. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. So, so, so basically it's people that are not your target market. That's, that's where it'll not kind of work. Okay. Awesome. Now, now we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, so anything else you'd like to say or add? I mean, I guess I'll just, I'll just repeat, this is sort of been a, a theme throughout this, yeah. but um, I think that in marketing and copywriting and email, especially, it's all about understanding your market and having a bond with your market and actually caring about your market. So I, I know people make a lot of money selling products they don't care about to markets they don't care about. For, but for most people, most business owners and entrepreneurs, you really do have to care about your market because like for me, I, every day I wake up, I have to write my email. If I didn't care about the people on my list and I didn't want to help them, it would be way harder for me. You know, it's, it's a lot easier yeah. if you're like helping people and you're getting that feedback. And so 
I would just say if anyone's struggling right now with sales or marketing or writing emails or whatever medium that you choose, it doesn't even have to be email, I would say go back to your market, start talking to people about their problems, call up old clients and customers, and just really figure out what they what their problems are and how you can help it at a deep level. And when you figure that out, you'll start to build bonds with people in ways that your competition just can't because they're not willing to do that work. Sure. Awesome. And then how can Tyler, how can people gonna connect with you, contact you if they if they need some advice or or want to work with you? Okay, yeah. So if people go to my website at copybymcune.com, it's C-O-P-Y-B-Y-M-C-C-U-N-E.com. They can opt into my list to start getting my daily emails. And when they do that, they'll get a free copy of my book, Email Emperor. It also sells on Amazon, but if you go to my site, you can get a free copy. And if you don't want to uh, opt into my list, there's also a contact form on my website and articles and, and other resources. So I would just say head over to the website and uh, yeah, do some exploring. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Jasmine. It was fun. Thank you.